Thank you so much for listening to this pre-recorded episode of Agent Chat Live. Agent Chat Live is a spinoff of Pub Talk Live. To find out more about both shows, go to pubtalk.live. Thank you so much to my Patreon podcast supporters, Brenda Drake, Jay Lynn, and Reframe. Hey everyone, I brought the countdown back because I know a lot of you are having trouble getting the video to play right off the bat. So I hope, let me know if you like it. <laughs> um, so today I have Aaron Casey for Asian Chat Live. Aaron Casey graduated from Hamilton College with a BA in creative writing and an ever-growing list of books to read. She is open to all kid-lit age groups from picture books through YA and is particularly drawn to work that show, sorry, particularly drawn to work that shows the author's world and character building ability. She also wants to see authentic, thoughtful representations of all people so that every kid can find a book that speaks to them. When not reading, Erin can be found snuggling her rescue dog, playing disc golf, or watching the current TV show or movie Twitter won't shut up about. So please welcome Erin. Hello. So Laura is here. Hey, Laura. I don't know who else is here. I see some people watching. Hi, Laura. Um, <laughs> countdown was fancy. Yeah, it's it's like the standard one that comes with StreamYard. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anything. what was happening. So I was just like, ooh, okay, there's some music. Like, I'm yeah. ready. Well, like, um, if someone has it, the video on the screen and then the video starts, sometimes it takes a second for everyone to see it you know right got it so yeah Elsie, hello <laughs> and matt, oh, hello. Hi, matt. <laughs> all right um so thank you all for tuning in today thank you erin for being here um we're gonna uh dive right in my goal here in this series hi malia is um to help potential clients get the agent get to know the agents a little bit better and um you as viewers are welcome to drop questions in the comments if you're watching this live. But I did want to say to uh, by starting off that I won't really be asking any questions that like a simple Google search can answer. So things like word count and genre definition. And then I also won't be asking what I like to call pre-queries where you're asking specifically about your book. Um, so, but you're welcome to ask questions as we go along. I have a couple questions to get us started though. Uh, uh, also, Erin is not currently open to queries. She hopes to be opening to queries <laughs> soon. And she said the best way to find out is um, on Twitter. So if you follow her on Twitter, you'll be able to find out when yeah, that happens. It's always in my Twitter bio if I'm open or closed currently. And that's the most updated thing. Like sometimes that is updated before our website is updated, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> All right. So we're starting with the easy question for you, Erin. What categories and genres do you represent? I represent all kidlit and only kidlit. So picture books through YA. Um, I've thought about crossover and it just doesn't feel like something I feel confident about pitching, knowing the market for it, knowing if that person has really nailed that voice versus whether it should just be YA or adult. Uh, so trying to stay in YA and younger, um, all genres, I will read any genre. Um, I mean, don't send me your memoir, probably, because <laughs> um, it's probably not for children. Um, but I am particularly drawn to genre fiction in general. Um, I'm a fantasy reader, magical realism, speculative, all that fun stuff where you take our world and change it in some way, change the way it functions, change the abilities that people have, all that cool stuff. But that doesn't stop me from also taking on contemporary um, stories 
I am a lover of sports. I am always looking for sports books and I feel like there's a lot of sports in chapter books and then sports become a part of the character, but not necessarily a big part of the story um, as you get older in older books. So always looking for something that has that feeling of competition and excitement and like how much the actual finale, whatever that game is matters. Um, Mm. That's something I think about a lot. I think a lot of people like sports, but yeah, I don't know. It hasn't, I haven't found a ton of things that make me fall in love with the actual sports aspect of the story. So, all right. Um, Jay joined us. Hey, Jay. So pubbers is what like the regulars on my channel call each other. They um, named themselves last year. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's great. Um, because my regular show is called pub talk live. So it's based mm-hmm. on that. Nice. Okay. Cool community. That's cool. Yeah, it's fun. They're great. Um, why did you get into agenting? Mm. Um, it was there, (laughs) (laughs) which is a very honest response because I, uh, got my first literary agency internship while I was in college. And it basically was a result of me Googling, editing, writing jobs, um, in our, uh, college had this, um, network of alumni who, had positions for the summer or whatever. And I was just typing keywords into that um, and ended up having two literary agency internships while I was in college. And then in my senior year, Marietta Zacker, who is my boss, one of my bosses at um, Galton Zacker Literary Agency, she was looking for an assistant. And through the wonderful grapevine, one of my prior bosses slash mentors, Daniel Burby, um, got me in contact with Marietta and it was just a fantastic fit. Um, and I've been there ever since. <laughs> um, so a lot of people jump around in publishing and mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder what could have been, but I also, I love my job. I think we're the best agency. <laughs> not biased <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but I, I love the women I work with. I think there's fantastic mentorship. Um, I've learned so much over five and a half years, I guess I've been there. Um, and I don't want to do anything else. I would love to learn more things. If I could like spend six weeks, just like hanging out in a marketing department, I would 100% <laughs> do that. Um, but I love working directly with the creatives. I love mm. finding talent in the, in the middle of nowhere. It feels like, you know, something just kind of falls onto your plate versus an editor who things are being submitted to after they've been vetted in some fashion. Um, and then I don't know anything about like art and design on the like <laughs> how's the market something or create a book cover. So I'm not going to work in those departments. Um, but yeah, so that's how I ended up where I am and why I'm still there. Cool. All right. So um, this question has a little preface because I find if I ask the question straight up, people are too humble. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm going to give you a chance to brag about yourself a little bit. So please do that. <laughs> um, so if someone's thinking about querying you and your wish, wish list lines up with their work, um, why should someone query you? Why should someone want to work with you? Hmm. Um, hopefully because we get along. <laughs> um, I think that's really important um, in finding an agent. Obviously, if you're in the stage of like, why should I query Erin? Um, 
I am young. I don't have a lot of sales experience. Like you can Google my name and you're not going to find me much in publishers marketplace yet because like I am still building my list. So excited to be working with the people who are currently on my team, but it's all still new, but it means that I am hungry. I'm not jaded. <laughs> so like, you know, some fair days we just got through 2020. <laughs> Sometimes you get jaded anyway. Um, but I, I'm really excited to find work, to find fresh things, to find books that kids didn't have when they were young and want to see those stories told in whatever forms of representation that takes. Um, I also work with a really wonderful group of people who I think are the best support system that I can have and that my clients can have, even though I am young and I'm still learning and there are many things I do not know, the women around me know them and we're close and we're honest. And I love that I can reach out to them whenever I have a problem, when my clients ask me something and I'm like, well, I don't know, I'll go ask <laughs> Marietta or Beth or Linda or Ellen or Nancy. Um, and one of them will have an idea or they'll have someone else to connect me with. And I think that camaraderie is really wonderful and is, again, part of the reason why I'm still there and something I hope will continue and will lead to my betterment as an agent and therefore better futures for all of my clients. So mm -hmm. I'm just excited. And then if you get to the point where like I'm reading your work and I want to talk to you, then like hopefully we get along <laughs> and you like <laughs> the same shows and you know movies and maybe activities and i really i want to be passionate about your book and if we're going to talk on the phone hopefully you feel that passion and then all those other things just become like i'm a good advocate because i am passionate about your work and then let's go sell it <laughs> all right yeah i always tell people that newer agents who are at really great agencies and have like that network behind them are a great opportunity because um, I, I know some, some agents who have been in the business like 20 years or so, and they take maybe one, two new clients a year. Um, so yeah, it can be a great opportunity. All right. We're going to um, kind of take a little, little F turn here. Uh, so this is a Patreon question. Um, so if you support my Patreon at $5 a month or more, you get to submit questions ahead of time. So this one is from Lodestar. And he asks, what is your favorite thing or things about whales? <laughs> <laughs> I do love whales. Um, they're so big guys like i think it is the the mind-bending quality of whales that makes me mm. so interested in them i love watching videos of whales i love when scuba divers get up close to whales and like even up close it looks up close because they're so giant but if they were actually right next to them like you wouldn't even be able to see and comprehend the whale mm. um so i love that they're so big um, and particularly baleen whales that aren't going to eat me. Probably they might by accident. That's not their fault. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I think they're fascinating and beautiful and cool. <laughs> nice. Have you read the, the deep by river Solomon? Yes. Oh my <laughs> gosh. The book is There's a giant whale on that one. So yes. And yeah. just all, like, the deep is obviously not something I would represent because it is meant for adults. Um, but the the way that there are so many what ifs that 
they get to answer in that story. And I, I love how every, you know, every five pages I'm encountering something I've never, ever thought of before, but rivers spent hours trying to piece into a real functioning world and it works and it's all underwater and it's, Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's good. (laughs) Jay asks, what's your favorite type of whale? Mm, Humpback whales. (laughs) They're just so big and cool and, um, did you know that the bumps on humpback whales are like its hairs? They're like mm. goop bumps kind of that you get where like, mm. their hair raises up and it just, they just stay there and it helps them like feel the water as it moves over them. But then oh. also like part of them being mammals is that those are little hair follicle bumps. Interesting. <laughs> All right. This has turned into whale talk live. <laughs> whale talk with air. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so let's go back to some publishing stuff. Um, so a lot of times I hear people talk about if they had a magic wand, what would they change about the industry, right? Mm. Um, but the the question always frustrates me because I'm like, none of us have magic wands. Like, let's talk about <laughs> I'm also a pragmatist in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so my question is if if – you were in a power, up in a power, say you were like the CEO of Simon Schuster, or CEO of Random Penguin Random, whatever that place is called, Penguin right. Random House. Who knows how long it will be called now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and you had, you know, the ability to make a big change in the industry. What do you think you would change? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I would never let anyone uh, have an internship that they don't pay for ever again. Um I like I would take a hard look at all of the employees and what they're making and why they're making that amount and distribute Mm. that amount much more equally so that our uh, young workforce is getting something that they can actually live on, particularly if they are in New York City. Um, I'm glad to see that the the um, minimum salary at a lot of houses has recently gone up, which is Mm -hmm. a good start. Um, and along those lines, just like hiring more diversely across the board in all ways, making sure the work is more accessible, um, to people who can't afford to live in New York, to people who have disabilities and cannot physically come into the office. But like, we saw that we could all do this work from home. Please just make it accessible, acknowledge that you can change your systems and allow these people to work and be part of this industry that they want to love and want to help. And they have so much to offer too. Um, Yeah. So accessibility and money, it sounds like. (laughs) I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't, I think it might've been hidden brain and they were talking about these, these business owners that for years have been like, absolutely not no working from home. And this year, you know, they obviously haven't had a choice and, those same people are now like, you know, I may downsize my office or I may get rid of my office mm. and let everyone work from home. Yeah. So it's interesting that there was like this real fear around it. And then everyone's like, oh, wait, no, this actually works. Actually, we don't right. have to speak, treat our all our employees like high school kids at McDonald's, <laughs> you know? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> hmm. no, like we can we can do it from home. It just requires the effort to change certain things that physically could be done at home, but that's because, Mm -hmm. 
you know, you needed a new database or you needed to move everything to digital that you were doing by printing or, you know, it makes me think of royalty statements right off the bat. I'm just like, send them digitally. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and most people are now. Um, and the same thing goes for doing your actual job as an editor, as a publicist, like so much of it is just, we can hop on, you know, zoom or Google meet or whatever and talk to each other. And then you can send the emails and like, you did it. You did your job. <laughs> All that being said, though, I do like, I prefer to work in an office. So. <laughs> it's but, the mental health of it, I think. Yeah. Very, and like it changes for the person if they benefit from that social interaction mm -hmm. and being able to you sure. know, hang out versus maybe you'd rather be in your bedroom and you'll be a better worker from there. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So if you sign a client, what happens after that? What does your process normally look like? What kind of communication style do you have? Mm. Um. Depends on how much work the manuscript I likely signed them for, or the first one that we want to go out with is going to need. Um, most of the time, bef probably right after I've had that conversation offering representation and I feel it's likely they're going to sign with, I'll start reading that manuscript again. Um, maybe not with a picture book. It depends what kind of that conversation is going to look like. Um, mm -hmm. But with a novel, I'll be going back and reading it again and making very specific comments, margin comments, highlighting, and then put together bullet points and whatnot so that they can have all of my thoughts in a nice, concise place. <laughs> um, and then we'll have another phone call to talk about all of those things and see what their their vision is. Um, if they want to change things the way that I had mentioned, and I try not to touch their vision so much as just guide it and make sure that the story makes sense and we're getting the most interesting version of the story that they want to tell. Um, and then once we have that in a nice place, I'll make a sub list of lovely editors who I want to go out to and we'll send the book out into the world. And then I'll get back to them, get back to the client as often as they want with updates on mm -hmm. those submissions. Some people want to hear once a week just so that they know exactly what's going on. So people are like, do not write to me unless it's good news. I'm going to ignore this and <laughs> we're not going to talk unless I need like something on another thing I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't, I like the stress of it or the rejections hurt or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's all, it's all down to what the client wants to hear from me. And obviously I want to make sure you're alive. So like, let's check in once a month, at least by email. Um, but I talk with some clients more than others. Mm. All right. Um, we have another question from Lodestar. Which is another left turn. Okay. Um, how do you feel when people call Frisbee golf froth? <laughs> froth is probably what they've written. Um, fine. I used to call it froth. Um, <laughs> so I only started playing disc golf a little more regularly um, as of this summer because so I play ultimate Frisbee competitively mm. until 2020 and also yeah. well, kind of until 20 late 2018 because then I had surgeries and it's a whole thing mm. so like my body's trying to get back um but I already had some of the skills to throw a disc so then started playing disc golf because it's a nice social distance activity that I can also be outside and it's beautiful and um but like there are a lot of new people who are starting to pick up disc golf mm. for those exact same reasons yeah and 
They might not know all the terminology. I didn't know all the terminology. It's fine. As long as we all take care of the space that we're playing in and no one's <laughs> They can call it whatever they want. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's hilarious. I guess I don't really know anyone who plays it, though. So, um. All right. So we had a couple questions in the comments I wanted to get to. Matt Gallagher asks, what are some of your favorite picture books? Ooh. Um, I love I Am a Wolf, um, which is about a little dog who's like just a circle. And he's all like, I'm big and scary, but he's like a little like, cute. Um, <laughs> and finds his, his forever home with a little girl and it's adorable. Mm. Um I love um, Sometimes You Fly, I believe that's what it's called, um, which is a beautiful story illustrated by Jennifer Black Reinhardt um, that is about like how growing up feels and what it's like to, to let go of things and to not always succeed. Um, it's a beautiful book. What else? Um, oh, the... We are the stars. That's not what it's called. Um, oh gosh. It's got the word stars in it, but it's about like how we are made of star stuff. Um, mm. And it, the illustrations in it are just fantastic. It's all like blue and red and black and it flows throughout the, the book. And in the beginning, it's just like big bang, all of these particles that then become us and our family and all the things that we love are made of the exact same particles from the beginning of the universe. Um, and I just, I think it's gorgeous. It makes me cry every time I read it. Um, so both ends of the spectrum of really thoughtful, beautiful things. And then like adorable little puppy who doesn't know that he's tiny and isn't a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Jay asks, is it true that picture book authors need multiple books ready when you pitch an agent? Uh, need, I would not say, but like is really, really helpful. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to gauge someone's entire voice um, and style off of one picture book. So I always want to see more completed manuscripts. Um, if they don't have more, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to offer. But that first book probably really had to knock my socks off because I have to believe that that's the thing we're going to sell. Um, and also it has to show me that I will likely enjoy the rest of your work. Um, but I'd rather have proof of that because I want to represent someone for their whole career, not just for one book. And if your other picture books are not something I'm going to connect with, I'd like to know that up front because it's just not fair to you you know, like I want, I want to know that we are going to be good partners and my writing, your writing is going to connect with me because otherwise we might not end up working out together and you have to start at the beginning. So you should have a selection of polished manuscripts, three, four, five. I mean, some people have 10, 20 because they've yeah. been this for so long or they write so fast. Um, but try and polish a couple so that if someone falls in love with your first work, they have more that they can follow in love with and be like, okay, I can sell a couple books for them and I know what they're going to write and I know what their style is and we're going to, we're going to be successful. All right. It is time for the quick round. So these are just questions for you to answer in, you know, about 10 seconds or less. Okay. <laughs> um, 
the first one has like a little intro though because um when I first started uh thinking about this show like what I wanted to call it I'm terrible at names I can't name anything so I asked the Patreon supporters you know if they had any suggestions and Lodestar had suggested one that I really liked called um snack time with an agent oh yeah I, I thought it was cute. I thought like it had the kind of casual feel that I was going for, but I was a little concerned that people would think it was only for like kid lit stuff. And it's, it, I, I talked to agents who represent all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, so that's where this question came from is, is the, the, the point of that story. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, what is your favorite snack? Mm, um, Cheerios. I love Cheerios. Anytime I can eat Cheerios for any meal. <laughs> Like honey nut or regular? Uh, multigrain, actually. Oh. The honey honey nut got a little too sweet for me as yeah. I got older, so I had to scale back. But the multigrain <laughs> is still a little sweet, but it's a little, a little more reserved. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what is your preferred caffeine source? Uh, tea. I am not a coffee drinker. It does not really agree with my stomach, except mm. for when I like really want the taste of it. Um, so I'm, I'm a tea drinker, but like it's, it's sugar and milk with some tea. I will be a hundred percent honest. Like I, I like my sugar and my milk. There's an ongoing tea versus coffee debate on my channel. There's Jay coming in. Tea. <laughs> yeah, Jay. I mean, if coffee's fine. I just, if it doesn't make you feel good, don't drink it. Like I think mm. that's fine. <laughs> uh, do you have a word that you rationally hate? A word? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, ooh, what's that word that they put the, like, IR or whatever in front of, and it doesn't need it? Um, irregardless? Irregardless. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I, people defend it, and, I, like, it's language changes, their colloquial uses. We all understand what you mean. It's yeah. fine. But it's definitely the one where, like, if I was going to decide to be a snob, I would be like, it's just regardless. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, is there a person you want to read a memoir from that you you don't you know of hasn't written one? I guess I should say. Um. Okay, the answer is no. <laughs> Not off the top. Ooh, I, maybe she's written one, but Serena Williams. Mm. I'd read a Serena Williams memoir. I don't know if one exists. If it I don't know does, either. Someone let me know. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone in the, in the comments knows. All right, last one. Who's your favorite superhero? Ooh. So I've always loved Superman. And I think that was because so many of my friends were all about Batman when I was little. <laughs> and I was like... A contrarian. <laughs> which is which comes from people being contrarian to Superman because he's overpowered and he's the good yeah. guy and everything's perfect. <laughs> like he's kind of the worst, but I I love Superman. I still get like a little bit of like giddiness whenever I see the like S symbol on mm. stuff. I have a old tin um lunchbox that has the Superman symbol on the side of it. Um yeah, I just I don't know. He wants to save the world and make the world a better place. And that's nice. <laughs> Tamara said in Australia, Cheerios are little red sausages. What does that mean? <laughs> like like little red sausages are called Cheerios. Oh, I thought like the, instead of having like an O <laughs> inside the cereal, it was like a little red line or, or it was made with sausage. I was like, don't put milk on sausage. 
Got it. Not, I mean, I, I like sausage too, but that's mm-hmm. not what I mean by Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we had some questions from the audience. Um, Frank wanted to know, do you have any thoughts about hybrid publishers um, getting on board with that option, even authors who are represented? I'm not sure I know what Frank means by hybrid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so usually when we're talking about hybrid publishers, and I don't know if this is what Frank means, it's it's honestly just Vanity Press calling itself by a different name usually. Okay. <laughs> um, and and they sell it really well, right? They they sell it like it's not. Oh, it's so not like Vanity Press it's, doing yeah. Vanity stuff while also traditionally publishing is that the, well? That's the that's like a hybrid author, so that's why I wasn't sure. Um, oh. So yeah, because in a hybrid author will traditionally publish and self publish, mm-hmm. whereas there are publishers calling themselves hybrid publishers, where they're like, oh, we're putting some of our investment in, and you put some of your monetary investment in, but honestly, most of the time they're just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have a I workshop coming up on avoiding publishing scams. If anyone is interested, right? Like, just oh, if anyone's asking you for money ever, like, always be skeptical and do your research and talk to other people who might know more, or just put it like your question out into the universe if you don't have that network, and hopefully someone will chime in and talk to you about it. Um, if it's legitimate and just like another way for them to cover their losses or. I don't know, like you want your book out there and that's what matters to you and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to make you happy, then like do what you want. Just be wary of your contract and make sure nothing else down the line bad is coming for you. But I don't mm-hmm. think I know enough about the hybrid situation to really speak on it. Yeah. Oh, he said Sarah's right. Just a fancy vanity publisher. I think, honestly, I think people know that Vanity Press has a bad name, and so they've started calling themselves hybrid publishers. All the ones I've seen, oh, okay. that they are. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you have the money and that's what you want to do, and <laughs> happy, great. As long as you know what you're getting into, yeah. Right. But just like you know, read read the contract. Don't pay anyone some ridiculous amount of money for something they're not gonna do or it shouldn't be worth that much to begin with <laughs> all right Tamara has a question she's asked a couple of times that we've gotten some good responses to um what published author would you love to rep if you could Ooh. <laughs> um gosh i mean i a lot of people that are coming to mind are adult um writers because i often for pleasure read adult fantasy um and i mean i'll try to read kidlet when i can so that i can stay on top of things um but like nk jemison mm. like she should not be repped by me like she sh- other people know i know her agent <laughs> i'm friends Ugh. with her agent <laughs> You know, if they're not having a great like, a relationship right now, I, got it. I don't got it. I don't have those. That work. She should not work with me. And I'm yeah, no, but like her work is consistently amazing. Um, so her or like Rebecca Rowanhorse for mm. similar reasons. I like, I just, oh, I would get a sneak peek. Everything they wrote would know before everyone else. That would be amazing. Um <laughs> Yeah, they're the first two that come to mind. So you kind of asked, answered Laura's question. What do you like to read when it isn't for work? Adult yeah. fantasy. So yeah, adult fantasy. Um, most of the time, I 
read the Broken Earth trilogy in a blur <laughs> um, when I first discovered it like a year and a half ago. And that, that made me so happy and it refreshed my love of reading and it refreshed what I knew good reading sounded like. Cause sometimes you get to the point where you're reading queries and you're just like, like, I don't, I don't know right now. Like <laughs> I need to leave and read a published book and be like, yes, this is the kind of thing I love and want to see in my inbox. And then I can go back to my inbox and be like, okay, this is well-written, but it's not my passion mm -hmm. or, you know, this other thing is not as well-written. So like, that's easier, <laughs> um, but mostly adult fantasy. Um, I have Rebecca Rowanhorse's Black Sun on my side table right now, and I would love <laughs> to read it. Um, I also read the first book in um, Brandon Sanderson's um, Stormlight Archives mm -hmm. last summer. And it was like, it swept me away completely. Um, but it, the books are like 1,200 pages. I was going to say, <laughs> how long are they? Yeah. They're so long. Um, he has the first four are out now. And I'm like, I don't know when I'm ever getting to book two. But I hope at some point I can. Um, but I also love reading graphic novels in my spare time. Um, I think that's particularly because the graphic novel space is really opening up and building right now in Kidlet. Like every publisher has a graphic novel imprint now and there are so many opportunities. So I love graphic novels. I rep a graphic novelist um, and I, I want more and I want to know what things succeed and why and what spaces once I have those people to be pitching books about. Um, so I actually, this is kind of silly, but I brought some books. <laughs> oh, okay. So I have the Okay Witch, oh, yeah. um, which I read a year ago or so. This is actually an arc, so it doesn't have the full cover on it, but it was really wonderful. Um, I have some thoughts maybe about the author being a white woman and it being about a young black girl, oh, that exactly. decision. Um, but it did not stop me from really enjoying that read. Um, I also read Check, Please um, mm -hmm. a little bit ago, and that just made me happy because it was also sports. Um, so yeah, graphic novels are like my, I need something to dive into and just be absorbed with, but it's not going to take me forever. Like mm -hmm. it's going to be a nice break for a couple hours at most, um, probably spread over more than one day. <laughs> and then if I'm like, I'm going on vacation, I'm not working, give me that huge adult fantasy that I can read. Yeah. It was funny. I was listening to Chuck Wendig's Wanders a couple weeks ago. And I had listened to several middle grades before it. And I was like, why is this book still going? Like, it's <laughs> like, I, I was interested in it. So it wasn't like I wasn't interested anymore, but just felt like I had been listening to it for so long. <laughs> right. I listen on my walks and I'm like, this is like, usually I can finish a book in like three or four walks. And this was like, I don't know, two weeks. <laughs> How is there more story? <laughs> and I looked it up and it was, it was like 800 pages. Oh, that'll do so, it. That'll yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jay had a question. Um, I self-published two picture books just for fun and for family. Is there any chance of traditionally publishing sequels in that same series? Or is that locked in as self-published? Um, always a chance. Um, it kind of depends on the success of those original books. Um, both like if they are 
too successful or if they are not successful enough. Cause like if it doesn't sell super well and there's still like a lot of people that a traditional publisher could access, um, they might be willing to pick up a second book, particularly if it doesn't a hundred percent rely on the first book. Um, if they're really like, it's, it's a very clear series, it might be a little bit harder unless they can get the rights to the first book and maybe publish both. Um, but also if it's like huge and exploding and everybody loves it, then a publisher might be like, oh, we can, we can publish the next one because <laughs> they want the money. Um, so often if you're in the middle where it's like, it's doing pretty good, publishers will be like, eh, like good for you. But like, we don't, this doesn't benefit us. Like it's probably more of a loss because we're just going to help the original publisher publish the yeah. first one, get more people on the first one. So it depends. Thing, like picture books, they often don't depend on the previous books. Like you can read them out of order. So I wonder if you could just pitch the second one, like not even considering the first one, you know what I mean? The publisher would definitely want to know the first one exists because yeah. they don't want to be blindsided by that information. Oh yeah, of that course. Not go well. Um, but yeah, like particularly in the instance where that the self-published picture book didn't get a whole lot of attention, didn't sell that many copies, then the publisher might just pick up the second one if they believe in it. And they won't have to worry about the first one causing competition or anything yeah. like that. Um, yeah, so it's possible. <laughs> uh, Brianni asks, how do you keep your authors accountable with deadlines? Life balance, question mark. I'm not, I don't know what that means. but. <laughs> um, my clients are pretty good about their deadlines. Um, they also honestly don't have too many deadlines yet, I'll be honest. Um, but it's mostly like a check-in. So I actually made a spreadsheet that has all of my clients and all of their projects on it. And I know that this, oh my God, the <laughs> gift. Um, <laughs> and it will not last forever because eventually it's going to get too unwieldy and I'll need probably an Airtable because I love Airtable. Um, but I currently have a spreadsheet that has them all cross-referenced with their projects. And I write down like when the next thing is due and I check in on that weekly to be like, oh, I should really make sure that this person's on track for getting this thing done. Make sure they remember. Sometimes it's small things that they have to get done by a certain mm -hmm. date. And it, you know, it's hard to remember when it's like, can you write a sentence about yourself or can you send me a photo or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, so that just helps me to make sure I know that they should be doing a certain thing. And if I haven't gotten it within the range of like the last week or few days or whatever, before they, when they would normally have sent it to me, I can check in and be like, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> um, so yeah, spreadsheets. <laughs> nice. I love spreadsheets. Like it's a big joke at pitch wars. Like, Oh, Sarah has a spreadsheet for that. <laughs> Why wouldn't you like, <laughs> no. I think most people are on the spreadsheet wave and it's just still fun to make fun of other people <laughs> about it. Um, all right. So what is your single best query letter tip? Mm. <laughs> um, okay. I don't want to say something boring, like follow <laughs> the guidelines. It really or, is. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Like if you don't follow the guidelines, they might delete your query. Like that's the absolute worst thing that can happen is that mm -hmm. they see that you, some people are more extreme about it than others, but like, mm -hmm. don't waste your time sending me an adult memoir. 
I'm going to delete it. Um, actually, I'll probably write back to you and be like, I don't represent work for the adult market. Most people would just delete it. <laughs> so if you want, you know, to make sure that you're not wasting your own time by even finding email addresses and hitting the send button, even if you're just copying and pasting, like just make sure you're checking the guidelines. Um, within the query itself, I would say just probably nailing that short summary. Um, whatever you're going to use as your hook, really, really try and get that across as best as you can in the query letter. Have lots of people read it. See, have new people read it. Don't just have the same people who already know your work and love your work <laughs> read it over and over again because they're not going to be surprised. Have new people read it and see if they're like, ooh, that sounds fun and they're not just being mm -hmm. nice because they love you. Um, I don't think query letters are always the most important. Your, your words is the most important part. Often, a lot of the time, I skip the query letter until I've read the sample and then I go back and read the query letter. Um, but other people don't do that. So don't, <laughs> don't start deleting your query letters. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, check the guidelines and then make sure your, your hook is clear and upfront and strong. Yeah. Um, Tamara asked, can a picture book just be for fun and not have a deeper meaning? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> going, yes. While at the same time being like every picture book has a deeper meaning mm -hmm. because we're all people and everything means more than you think it does. Um, it doesn't need to have like a big message. It doesn't need to be that book about how we're all made of star stuff and that makes us all human or earthlings or whatever, <laughs> or solar system things. Um, <laughs> I think you can absolutely just have a book that is for fun and doesn't have a purpose, but it's probably going to find one because if it's just for fun and it's just like, I mean, even silly words have a purpose if that's all it is, is being humorous. Um, but if it doesn't have something deeper, something to add to the canon, some reason why someone would come back to it, then like, it's probably not going to sell as well. Why would someone pick that book up versus mm -hmm. the one next to it on the shelf? What's going to make it stand out amid millions of picture book choices? Um, so it should resonate in some way, even if that's like, these are the funniest poop jokes I have ever read. Like your child is cracking up every time that laughter because everybody poops and it makes it okay. Maybe <laughs> that's the message. <laughs> like there's almost certainly something or else does the book have substance? Does it, does it make it rereadable and interesting? Mm -hmm. um, all right, Brianni, we actually already kind of answered that question. So if you missed it, make sure you rewind and, and watch it um, after. Uh, so I have just one last question for you and then we're gonna say goodbye to everyone. And that is, what is your favorite thing about being a literary agent? Ooh. Um, reading something and not expecting anything like every query I get where it's something fresh and beautiful and makes me feel something. And I'm like, I need, I need to request more of this. I need to read more now. That's the best feeling and the hope that like that could turn into a partnership that could turn into a sale that could turn into 
thousands of other people getting to read this story and feel the way that I just felt, that's the best part is going through my emails and clicking one by one and one of them making me feel so excited to get to read more of that story. It's the best. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, thank you all in the comments for um, asking your questions and hanging out with us tonight. Uh, if you're watching the replay, thank you for doing that. And if you're listening on the podcast, um, I'm happy to have you however you're listening or watching. Uh, let's see what's coming up. We have Wednesday write-ins every Wednesday. Those are still going on at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then next Saturday is Pub Talk Live with um, guest co-host Terry Michaels and special guest Jennifer Morris, who is the director of Coastal Magic Convention. So come back next week for that. Um, yeah, thank you. Have a good night. Bye, everyone. Bye. Um, thank you. <laughs> and Aaron, just a heads up, I'm going to put this um, cover on the screen and I'll talk to you after we finish. <laughs> okay. <laughs>